Welcome to Blunt Norse Trauma, the 2021 season. This is episode nine. I am one of your hosts, JB. On the other end, we have Sarah. Sarah, how are you tonight? Doing pretty good. I know you had a busy day, a long day. So uh, we're yes. going we're gonna to fight through this the way the Vikings fought through that game on Sunday. Um, it didn't quite go how a lot of people thought it might. But in the end, a win is a win. And it's better than going one and four and heading on the road uh, two and three now with a chance to get even before their bye. Uh, Sarah, your thoughts on Sunday's heart-wrenching and actually uplifting to me, uplifting win over the Lions. Right. Well, I've got several thoughts here, so let me dive in. I guess when it comes to field goals, two out of three ain't bad. I'm not sure what still happened with that 49-yarder, but at least he hit the ones from over 50. So um, it was nice to see Barr back, and man, what a way to come back in your first game after not playing for over a year. He had the green dot back on his helmet, which for people who aren't aware, means that he was actually getting all of the play calls on the defensive side and passing them on to the rest of the huddle which means he was out there for every single defensive snap during the entire game. So kudos to Barr for being able to, to play the entire game. That couldn't have been easy. Um, in fact, in his press conference, he had a couple of funny lines uh, talking to the reporters, mainly Chris Thomason, because he asked the same question like three times um, about how his body was feeling. A um, couple of things that I won't repeat word for word, but it was kind of interesting to hear him actually admit how his body was feeling uh, probably a little more candidly than most players would have after that. It was kind of funny. Um, kudos to, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later to Eric Kendricks for that one handed interception. Man, our linebackers are, are getting all of the, uh, the props as far as interceptions go. So that's cool. Yeah. That was um, a heck of a catch, man. When I watched it, and I watched the game yesterday because I was out of town on Sunday and I recorded it, but I mean, it it was so quick. You watched it on TV. You said, "Wait, wait a minute, what just happened here?" I mean, he just stuck a paw out and pulled it in. It was incredible. Right? Yeah, that was great. Um, let's see. Uh, Justin Jefferson, you know, first half he was getting the single coverage, ride the hot hand. He had over a hundred yards. That was great. Uh, everyone commenting about why didn't use him in the second half? Well, if you watch the the tape, he was being double covered. Uh, you know, the Lions wisely shifted the coverage to his side because he was burning them the entire first half of the game. And they were playing a lot of like two deep safeties or bracket coverage on him. That would be why he didn't have the catches in the second half, um, which you know leads to. Well, then there was somebody open that we weren't using, but we'll get into that in a little while as well. Madison, big moments. Um, you know, he had a and he's loose moment with that big, I think it was like a 48-yard run that he ripped off. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. Uh, he um, obviously had the heart attack moment with the fumble that, that kind of um, made me start cursing at the TV. Um, but his touchdown was great. And I don't know if you watched it back enough to notice the effort the offensive line made to shove him into the end zone. It was nice to see everybody come together. Um, I do wish that 
Adam hadn't been trying to help them block for that one and got friendly fired into the end zone as well. Um, Cause he's not going to last through the, you know, wear and tear. If he keeps getting like bowled over by offensive linemen uh, all the time. That's just and Adam, then, uh, He just wants to help. Yeah, you know? No, <laughs> right. He's right in there. Like that's not the first time he's gotten like practically squashed by the offensive line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, with the, with the point with Adam, I mean, someone forgot he was there for a while. Um, not sure exactly how that happened, but it seemed like he was pretty much ignored until it was almost too late uh, on that one. I can tell you how it happened. It happened because our offensive coordinator doesn't adjust very well. That's what I saw in the right. second half. I, he just doesn't adjust. It felt like once JJ got taken out of the game in the second half, the offense went stagnant. That should not happen. There are enough other weapons on that team that you should be able to just keep things rolling. Like you said, Adam had, what, three targets in the game? Well, four. One got called back, and we'll talk about that later. But he, he, he had three. Three, yeah. three targets. The yeah. one that got called back and then the end of the game. Yeah. That shouldn't happen. Like you, No. It just shouldn't happen. You know, Conklin... I think Conklin got used a little bit again, but nothing big, but targets. He got targets. Right. Madison had seven catches out of the backfield. So, you know, there were guys open. It just, I don't know. The offense just stagnated. They, they really should have put the foot to the pedal and, and put that game away. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yep. All right. A little bit more, almost there. Um, interesting. League news in general, um, bye-bye Gruden, I guess. Um, he decided that or they released his emails and proved that he was pretty much everythingist. I mean, he covered all his bases, sexism, misogynism, uh, racism, homophobic. I mean, pretty much you name it. There was something in those emails like about it. Yeah, if there was, so a, badism, was, if there was a badism, John Gruden covered it. Yep, pretty much. Um injury issues all over the league left and right um including i'm pretty sure harrison smith accidentally broke the lions wide receivers collarbone on that one tackle pretty yeah. sure that was him because he sort of ended up like flat on top of a player at one point yeah i think you're right on that one too sarah i think that's how he broke it yeah which whoops he wasn't trying for that that was a clean tackle although one of the one of his own teammates kind of undercut uh, hitman as he was making the tackle and sort of end up with all of his upper body weight on top of the lions receiver. So that was a little dicey. Yeah. There was no uh, intent there. It, it just, it was, right. it was a complete accident. Yeah. Um, kickers failing left and right, <laughs> literally um, with a couple joints thrown in for good measure. What did they miss? Was it 11 extra points got missed this weekend? And in that, just in that Green Bay Cincinnati game, there were five uh, field goals missed in a row. Oh yeah, that was awful. That that like, was no one wanted to win that game. That was horrible. That was absolutely horrible. That was cringeworthy watch. I mean, I I caught the highlights of that. Well, the lowlights of it really. And right. You know, I mean, Mason Crosby missed three potential game-winning field goals in the last three minutes of regulation and/or overtime. He's like the first player to hit that statistic. 
So we thought Daniel Carlson was bad a couple years ago with missing like, I think it was two kicks in that game. That was enough to get him like exiled to Vegas. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mason Crosby just missed three. So the bar has been raised on that one. And Crosby missed two, at least two in that game. Yeah. He missed a bunch too. Yeah. It was another field goal miss game. Yeah, at least there was a couple of doinks that were entertaining. So that was funny to watch. Um, and then ours, of course, which didn't end up costing the game or whatever. But that was a weird miss. Like I said, two out of three ain't bad. But apparently Greg Joseph can only hit from over 50 yards. It, it was dead center. I mean, yeah, it just dropped like center. a rock. Yeah, they said he might have like hit it a little fat. And if you watch the way the ball rotated, that's probably what it was. Cause it had that really quick spin as it rotated. Uh, yeah. Which, which is usually what happens when you hit him fat, but he hit what four field goals, right? He was four out of five on Sunday. Yeah. So no, he, uh, he hit two. Didn't he? Four. I think it was right? just, uh, I don't know. I know he hit the two. There's a 54 yarder and a 55 yarder. That Cause we hit. only had one. We only scored one touchdown on Sunday. That's true. But yeah, like, but seriously, like everything was, deep like i mean and on the season he's five of five over 50 yards but we know he's had issues inside 50 yeah we had another kicker who his first year with minnesota couldn't miss from 50 plus i hope he didn't Uh, go the same way yeah let's leave that kicker nameless for now (laughs) um a couple more points zimmer cousins um it's kind of been beat to death on social media, but uh, it was, you could read Kirk's lips. He said, you like that. Um, but maybe instead of shoving Zimmer that hard, maybe just a fist bump next time you're excited. Um, something a little bit less jarring. Cause I think that's what Zimmer's reaction was, was out of the blue, like startled kind of thing. Yeah, that was um, especially wild. since he said he wasn't watching the kick. So. Yeah, that was really wild. <laughs> yeah. Kirk got a little over overexcited. I, I think it did startle him. I think it was more of like, hey, what are you doing, dude? Like, calm it down just a hair. I'm, I well, think it he- happened a couple of years ago with Sam Bradford. Right. Like during it, like during a win or whatever, Bradford actually got pumped up, which is kind of weird to see, but like was shaking Zim and Zim was like, whoa, like calm down. Um, In the end, and then my, yeah, it was pretty funny. Especially since once you finally got a close up of the face and you could read his lips and say that and notice that he was yelling, you like that. So it's kind of it was kind of funny. Um, then my last point, we'll touch on this, I'm sure, later too. our friend Breland, who apparently didn't learn any kind of lesson from Dantzler from our last win uh, about what not to tweet after a game. Um you know, frankly, no one wants to find out if his Johnson is just as ineffective as the rest of him. <laughs> uh, and if you didn't see that tweet before he took it down, you will not get Sarah's reference. But that was fantastic what you just said. All right. So that's my thoughts about the game. Well, I got to watch it yesterday. I taped it and watched it and it seemed like we moved the ball pretty well. We didn't finish drives off and 
while the penalties have been much better since week one, we seem to get them at the worst times. We we had a yeah. drive stall on a on a holding penalty on Adams' first catch, then that got nullified. And I'm not going to mention who it was because that person. We're going to mention gonna, him later. Yeah, we're definitely going to mention later. <laughs> and uh, I believe the same player had a crackback block on a play that on a Madison third and short. And the block that he had was nowhere near the play. It was an unnecessary block. It meant nothing. Madison was running right, and the block was on the left side. So that stopped to drive. We can't be doing yes. this. You, yes, you know, you, yes. You cannot, cannot do that. Uh, I, I just think, I think the, you know, the 19 points really watching it, Minnesota should have had at least – 30 in this game, I would think. And the way they, or at the very least one more touchdown. Yeah. And the way they closed it out was just, they they were very fortunate, you know, Mm -hmm. after the missed field goal, which again, very weird, but you're still up 10 and they let the lions go right down the field. They, they gave up a big play in there and, you know, then they, they, but then they we still, them. but then we still stopped them though, because right. then Madison's fumble and watching the fumble again, um, ticky tacky. Yeah, it was. I mean, it looked like he was actually trying to give himself up. They said it was, he was fighting too hard. I thought he was trying to give himself up. I thought his forward progress had been stopped and the ref. Yeah, I think he, I think he thought his forward progress was stopped too. Yep, and so he blew the whistle in his mind. The officials did not, and that's kind of how the ball came out. So he's just got to learn either just go down. If you don't hear a whistle, then go down and make them blow the whistle. Or at the very least, don't give up that ball. Like we saw, you know, Dalvin did it against Cincinnati, and it cost us a game. The Vikings were very fortunate this didn't cost them a game. I, I don't want to take away the game that Madison had for that play, but it was a really big yeah. mistake. And he even admitted it in the, his post-game press conference. Those things are getting pretty interesting. Like, the players are being very, very honest, honestly. Like, if you watch the the pressers, uh, besides a couple of dumb questions, but uh, that's usual, I guess. The Madison said, like, he honestly thought he had forward progress and the play was dead, and but he said, you know, he and Cook talked on the sidelines and he's like, I just have to get down. Like, don't try to get extra yards. Don't try to do anything fancy. Just get down, get that knee down. And there's something to be said for a kid, any player. I mean, I, I still look at him as a kid, but for a guy who takes ownership of his mistake like that, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll try and put it off on the referee. Oh, the whistle should have blown, whatever to take ownership of your, your mistake and just say, listen, I'm going to do better next time. I really appreciate that. Uh, we, we need some more of that, more taking uh, responsibility for your own actions and not blasting the fans who watch you not do the right things. You know, um, we know who we're talking about here. Yeah. But overall, like I said, it wasn't the best game. It was kind of sloppy at the end and, really didn't finish off drives the way I would have liked to, but I'd rather a sloppy win than, uh, you know, a pretty loss. A dub uh, is a dub. 
Yep. That's all there is to it. And, 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 you know, there are people who are mad that uh, they carried, you know, Joseph off the field after making the field goal. Why, why are you mad about that? Why does that? That was emotions. Yeah. This is a kid who missed a 37 yarder in week two. And he could have just rolled over and, and curled up into a ball and been terrible. And he hasn't been. He put that kick out of his head even after he missed the 49-yarder on Sunday. He came back and drilled the 54-yarder to win the game. Let them enjoy a win, whether it be a win, pretty win or not. It's a win. And the kid came through when they needed him. I don't get all the hate or all the, you know, the the vitriol towards this team celebrating their kicker because they beat the Lions, who, by the way, lost by a 66-yard bounce over the crossbar field goal to the Ravens who are on top of the AFC North. That's all I'm saying. Any given Sunday, folks, any given Sunday, Sarah, we're ready for our duds and our studs. Who do you got for your three duds this week? And then I will give you mine. All right. Number three, Kubiak. He has to be there again, because honestly we have two wide receivers at least. I mean, we have three tech four technically, if you count DD, but We're not going to go that far. We have two stud wide receivers. Please use them both. I know JJ was the hot hand in the first half, but then they started covering him like we were saying. You have Adam Thielen on the other side of the field. There were several times where he was wide open with his hand in the air waiting for the ball and nothing. Use both wide receivers. We might get down the field a little faster. I mean, heck, you started using Adam at the end. We managed to get in field goal range in less than 37 seconds. That's all I'm saying. Number two, our friend Breland. Again, all of his problems with social media. Not saying that uh, he's going to get benched like Dantzler did, but it's a a thought. Uh, Especially since I'm not sure he actually ever learned how to tackle when he played with Kansas City because it doesn't look like it now. And then my number one is Herndon. The name that we didn't name earlier, uh, my big thought is don't trade with the Jets. It's never going to get us anything good. I mean, we gave them our draft pick. They get Elijah Vera Tucker. Yes, we finally saw Christian Darrisaw on the field, but he wasn't even in there full time. Uh, we trade with the Jets again to get Herndon. He's pretty much useless. He cost us two plays, one of which was going to be a touchdown. I mean, Adam got down to like the one yard line on that play. So uh, those agree. are my duds. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, mine are slightly different and that's only because I knew you probably were going to put Kubiak on the list. So I didn't pick him. He's kind of like my fourth, but I figured I'd try and be a little different. My number three was Herndon two plays, a holding penalty and a crackback block. Uh, we gave up a fourth rounder to the jets for him. And he's done absolutely nothing except now commit two bad penalties. I'm not going to pick on the Darasaw trade yet because what I saw of him was pretty good. When they, when he was in the well, game. I'm not saying Darasaw was bad. I'm just saying, you know, giving up anything to the Jets for anything of supposed value is not the best idea. Not ideal. Okay. I, I, I'm with you then. Um, my number two dud, it's Breland, who makes my list almost every week. Yeah, he had five tackles, but he committed a pass interference that kept the Detroit scoring drive alive. And, oh, if you, if you watch Good Morning Football, and I don't know if you do, 
we had two plays involving Vikings this week on the, on the show for the angry run segment. The one that won happened to feature Mr. Breland getting dump trucked by a running back. And I oh, lovely dump trucked. Uh, and that was towards the end of the game. That was on the drive when uh, I think it was the field goal drive. I'm not sure if it was the field goal or the touchdown in the last two minutes, but he got leveled and it was terrible. And then the real reason he makes my dud list, it's not even all that. It's the childish tweet after a win. I'm kind of over this new uh, thing the Vikings have. You know, everybody has a tradition after a win. I'm not a real fan of the disgruntled cornerback tweet after a win. I yeah. Think we could do away with that. You know, uh, do your job, maybe, and stop worrying about the fans. If you do your right. job. I mean, Dantzler didn't even call out the fans. He was just pouting. Like, right. that was bad enough. Right. This and was, like, awful. Yeah. This was uncalled for, bad language, just a totally uncalled for sentiment against the fans. Like, yeah. His antics on the field during the game, even. When he, you know, when the fans booed him and he was kind of egging them on. It's like, do your job. Don't, don't. And then he faked an and then he faked another injury like Xavier Rhodes. Yep. It was, it was awful. But my number one this week, and this is becoming a problem to me, Sarah. It's the Minnesota Vikings return game. We average yeah. 17 yards per kickoff return in this game. So we're not getting, we're not even getting the ball out to the 25. Uh, right. Nobody seems to fear our kick return t- game because they're not worried about kicking it. Kicking it through the end zone is giving us eight to 10 yards every time. Uh, and only one punt return for two yards from Westbrook. And he let one go over his shoulder that I thought he should got down at like the one. Yeah. I thought he should have caught it, but you know, I, I know that the rule they say, if it goes over your head and your, your heels are on the 10, you let it go. But I don't know that one. I think I, I think I would have rather him catch. Uh, so those are my three duds of the week. I just, I'm just so tired of Bashard Breland. I didn't want him in the first place. I thought he was going to be a problem. I didn't think he was worth it. And so far he has proven me right. Uh, but there were I warned about his, I warned about his off the field stuff. Yep. Yep. Nobody wanted to listen. I, I don't know why there, there's something to be said about character and uh, he seems to lack it a little bit. Um, but we, we have some good, Let's get to the studs, Sarah. What do you got for your three? Um, well, I had a hard time putting them in order. Um, but for my number three, I went with Eric Kendricks and that awesome one-handed interception. Like I said, our linebackers are just killing it. Like, And I think it's going to get even better now that we have Barr back because that was just great to see him out there and like directing traffic and everything. And I mean... Kendricks was a little freer to to play a loose like he normally would. And look what happened, a one-handed interception. So he's my number three. Number two, I went with Greg Joseph for all the reasons we mentioned before. I mean, phenomenal from over 50. Not quite sure what the issue is under 50 yards, but hey, you know, we'll, we'll just, uh, you know, figure out down and distance and uh, stop before we get inside the 50 and go from there. Um, and my number one again is Hitman. nine tackles again. 
I was watching his tackle count go up like live, like on the stats during the game and just like, oh my God, he's in like every tackle and just watch it like climb. He had four in the first quarter. So he's just everywhere. And again, with having pieces back, he should be able to play a little looser all over the field. And that will just add to that. Well, when I picked my three, I tried to think of who you would take so I wouldn't have the same ones. And I managed to do pretty well (laughs) (laughs) because the only one, I only have one that is the same as yours and we'll get to it. My number three. And again, the ones you named, I would have probably put on my list. Number three is Madison. Uh, Yeah. He fumbled uh, in a critical stage of the game, but the kid had 25 carries 113 yards, seven catches for 40 yards. The touchdown the run after the catch for that touchdown was incredible. That was determination. And the 48-yard run, again, that was a determination run because he got slowed at the line and he burst through. I mean, yeah. he's not going to get you 70-yard touchdown runs, but he's going to push the chain. He's going to keep things – and every now and then he will break off a 20-, 30-yard run. He's not going to break away from anybody, but he can run. 153 yards of offense and the only touchdown of the game. I had to put him on this list, even with the fumble. Number two, I went with JJ. And after a really slow start and us questioning him, he's come on strong. And granted, it was most of it in the first half, but seven out of eight targets. uh, And there were some contested balls in there. I'd like to see that. I want Kirk to throw in the, and not into heavy coverage, but I want him to make the tight throws. I want him to have faith and confidence in his receivers. He has it in Adam when, when the play is designed to go to Adam, but I don't know if he had it with JJ. And I think he's starting to get it. And rightfully so now, because JJ made some really nice catches in this game. Uh, Seven catches, 124 yards on his eight targets. Him disappearing in the second half was a testament to his ability and the lion's kind of saying, hey, maybe we can't go one-on-one against this kid. So I had to put him at my number two. My number one, I had to go Greg Joseph. Uh, yeah, he was four out of five. He didn't miss the 49-yarder, which was dead on center and just came up two yards short. I don't know what happened. But he had a 55-yarder, which we didn't even talk about the 55-yarder. Right. I mean, they were talking in the game, well, maybe the Vikings are going to go for it here, and they send him out. You know, Zim had all the confidence in the world and he buried it from 55. But then oh, yeah. the 54 yarder, I mean, it wasn't one of those who I hope it's going to get sneak in. That was dead solid. Perfect. You knew that was that would have been good him. from like 60. Yeah. You knew that was good when he hit it. Uh, he hit his other two field goals. I think, you know, it's funny. This We, we have been kind of joking about he's on, you know, he needs to be 50 yards or more out. He really has only missed two kicks this year. The 37-yarder to win the game and that 49-yarder that came up short. So he's done an excellent job so far. Uh, Aside from that Cardinals game, I had to give the kid his credit this week. But, yeah, your three also good. The five guys that we talked about as studs this week all were, and maybe we could have even added one or two more on the defensive side, which we haven't been able to say all year. Um. On to our preview. We have uh, one more game before our break, and we hit the road to Carolina. Sarah, what are your thoughts on this upcoming game against the Carolina Panthers? Okay. Well, um, 
Carolina, last I looked, I think was favored by only a point and a half. So really it's almost a pick them. Um, now that may change because I think they're going to get Christian McCaffrey back. So that might skew a little bit more towards the the three that it normally is for them being at home. But still, I mean, that's kind of still a dead even because you get those points automatically. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and I saw in the last like power rankings that the Panthers are ranked 14th and we're 15th. So fairly even matchup as far as that goes as well. Um, you know, quarterbacks not looking great for Carolina, um, looking a little rough. Um, you know, maybe they weren't as great as their start of the season indicated, but so that gives us an opportunity to maybe find some weaknesses to take advantage of. Um, some things I think we need to do to win. I think we, like I've been harping, we need to pass to all open targets. I mean, whether it's JJ, Adam, Conklin, uh, you know, KJ is making some good catches. Um, not sure how much I would use D.D. Westbrook. He's useful occasionally, but I mean, really just a, a marginal Receiver at this point, I mean, CJ Ham had a nice reception for a first down. Use the people that are available. Don't just stick with one or two people that Kubiak is comfortable designing a play for. We need to open it up and spread it out. Um, and I think we really need to drop down the number of runs, depending on who's actually going to be the running back. I don't know if Cook's going to be back, if it's going to be Madison. 32 uh, for Madison seems a little high. And if we keep using Cook 30 or more times a game, he's literally not going to have ankles left pretty soon. Uh, So if we can maybe keep it to like 25 carries, it it might be enough to be able to sprinkle the run in, um, you know, kind of get it going, gash him when we can. And then, you know, my, my running joke again is the, you know, kick our field goals from 50 plus, but, you know, maybe Joseph will have a chance now with the even more confidence to be able to nail something inside. Um, you know, otherwise I trust him from 50 plus. Um, he seems to be, to be good at getting his headspace right from the longer kicks. So that's good to see. So that's my thoughts. Uh, so far about the preview for the Panthers game. Yeah, I think I would like to see them spread the ball around more with the passing game. I think the problem right now, the offensive line is getting better, but I don't think Kirk has time to go through progressions. I think part of the problem is he, if that first receiver is not open, he doesn't have time to find a secondary. His outlet is immediately a running back. So if that's the case, yeah, let's uh, design some more plays where, his first option isn't always Jefferson. And and that's just the reality of the way the offensive line has worked from what I've seen. Kirk Kirk has done a great job this year. Through five games, I I have no major issues with Kirk Cousins. It's just he doesn't have time to do the things that a lot of quarterbacks get to do. I think given time, if he has time to go through his progressions, I think Kirk is going to be even better, and he's been good as it is. So that's important. Carolina's defense has been pretty good this year, but I don't know that they faced any really tough offenses yet either. I mean, the Eagles, I don't put the Eagles up there as a tough offense. I know a lot of people are high on Jalen Hurts, and he he had a good opening game, but 
I think Hertz is a hit and miss kind of guy. He's more of a run quarterback. They put 21 points on the board and Carolina really had that game. And it was kind of the same thing the Vikings did, except they didn't win. Uh, Darnold looked like, you know, Jersey Jets Darnold on Sunday. He threw three interceptions, nothing to write home about, 21 to 37. Uh, now, Chuba Hubbard did a nice job filling in for McCaffrey. He went 100, he had 100 yards and 24 carries. And our rush offense or rush defense has not been good this year. So if Hubbard's doing that, we got to just hope McCaffrey's not ready yet. And yeah, what I hear he might be ready to play on Sunday. So if McCaffrey's out there, dual threat Christian McCaffrey could cause a lot of problems for us on Sunday. I'm hoping the defense can do a little bit of bend and not break, that the offense gets a little more creative, and we don't have to rely on Joseph to go out there and kick five times. I'd like to see some touchdowns on Sunday. I think we have right. a good chance. May have to. I'm sorry. Go may ahead, have sorry. to move. Oh, I'm sorry. I say may have to move Everson inside more um, to shore up a little bit in that gap because uh, Pierce is still going to be out. Yeah, and that's a good point. Yeah, they they that might be a good idea. Uh, Eva's been playing well. He had a couple of bad penalties on Sunday, but he's been playing well. The penalties were the uh, hands to the face he had, and uh, he got a uh, 15 yards for a blow to the head which I get that it's a penalty, but I saw it and it was nothing vicious. It just happened to be a incidental blow to the face. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Evs and I think, I don't know that Zim wants to use him more though, but he may have to on Sunday. He was the starter. Cause I thought they I used saw, him more. Yeah. I thought I saw something about, they don't want they're They don't want to put him out there for more snaps. Uh, maybe I misread it, but. Hey, all hands on deck. You got to get to 500 before the break. Uh, time for the X factors. Now, give us who you had last week, how they did, and then your picks for this week, Sarah. Uh, last week, I had Adam and Hitman. Um, you know, Adam, obviously, for him anyway, a very low performance. However, it was clutch. He had a 19-yard catch and a 21-yard catch with less than 37 seconds to get Greg Joseph to field goal range to be able to make the game winner. Um, So if anyone's going to get used in like semi-limited spots and then just explode, I mean, that was, that was great. Two catches, just boom, boom down the field. Um, You know, great catches. He got himself way open. Um, You know, and it's just Adam, like, uh, like I said, he was also involved in getting Madison in the end zone for the only touchdown, uh, he was in there blocking and everything. He always throws himself into whatever play he's in. Um, he would have very possibly gotten a touchdown if Herndon hadn't messed up that long play that got called back because he was down at like the one yard line. It wouldn't have taken much for him to stumble his way in. And, um, you know, so Adam, I think, uh, was actually an X factor uh, for the game. And then, Hitman, what more can I say? Nine tackles again. He's got 40 in five games. So he's averaging eight tackles a game. That puts him on pace for 136. I mean, which is crazy for an old man. Like people still are trying to call him sometimes on social media um, to be a safety on par for 136 tackles. 
those are, you know, linebacker numbers. Yeah, he's been so good again. He's bailed them out time and time again for these first five games. Uh, I love what Hitman. And he almost had that interception. He was so mad. Yeah. Well, um, was it was it Woods that was the other guy in the area on that one? I think Woods knocked yeah. it out of his hands. <laughs> A little friendly fire, yeah. Yep. I mean, Harry doesn't need help. He's not one of the corners that needs a babysitter. So if he's in the area and he's trying to snipe the ball, try not to get in his way because that was an interception. And yeah, he was not happy. He was laid out flat on the ground. Like, I can't believe I just missed that. Well, who do you got this week, man? Um, Well, I need to beat a dead horse, but I think I'm going to ride the hot hand and go with the same two, Adam and Harry. Um, you know, the two old men on the team, um, veterans, captains, leaders on both sides of the ball. And uh, I think we're going to need that to, uh, I mean, obviously we need Harry to run the back end of the defense because he still has some uh, babysitting duties he needs to attend to. And, uh, you know, Adam on the offensive side of the ball, he's either going to be drawing the double coverage because they're afraid of his touchdown prowess or uh, he's going to be one-on-one because they're covering Justin Jefferson. Either way, I mean, he's got a good chance of, of getting the ball in his hands. I like it. Like you said, roll with the hot hand. Um, now, last week, I went with, on defense, because I like to do something different things, I went with the final two minutes of the first half. That was not a good X factor for me. No, we gave up a field goal at the end of the half. Uh, almost stopped it. Almost stopped it. We gave up a big play, I think, on third down on that drive that put them in field goal position. So that X factor did not work out for me. However, my offensive one happened to be Alexander Madison. So I'll well, take hit there. <laughs> yeah, I'll take a win on that one. Even with the fumble, he had the only touchdown in the 153 yards of offense. So I'm going to be, I'm going to say I went 500 with mine. Now for this week on defense, I'm going to take a name that we haven't heard a lot since we got him, Sheldon Richardson. He's been very quiet. Yeah. I, and he, we, we don't need, we need him to make some noise, uh, especially this week. I, I Somebody's got to do something because, slow down run games. I think it's Sheldon Richardson's time. So I'm going to go off the beaten path here and pick Sheldon Richardson for the defensive side on offense. Clint Kubiak. He has got to make adjustments as necessary. If you know, if it worked in the first half and you can see that the opposition is adjusted, you've got to adjust along with them. I have not seen him do that and he needs to. So I'm going with Clint Kubiak. Let's see what he can do, what kind of game plan he can put together so we aren't kicking five field goals and we don't worry that our one receiver is covered and we're still going to try and look for him on every play. Or we're going to check down to the running back seven or eight times because as nice as that is sometimes, I don't want to see that happening as often as it did on Sunday. So those are my X factors for the week. Uh, Let's see how we do. I think we've been doing okay with them. I think we've been hitting about 50-50 every week. Right. Which uh, I'll take a 50-50. I'll take 500. I'd like to do a little bit better, but 
if they <coughs> if they're big, if they come up big in your 50-50, then it's like better than just half. Um, well, Sarah, I, I get to talk a little bit longer now. It's my turn yes. for a Valhalla back. So you get to go and get a drink or, or rest your voice for a little while. It's been a couple of weeks since I did one. And our history against our upcoming opponent is not a long one. So I, I really had to dig deep for my game, and I hope everybody likes it. Uh, this week's Valhalla back is the Vikings and Carolina Panthers at the Metrodome on uh, September 17th, 2006. Uh, Vikings opened the scoring with a Ryan Longwell 26-yard field goal to take a 3-0 lead, which is how it lasted after one. Uh, kicker John Casey for the Panthers tied the game in the early second with a 25-yard field goal. And then with just over five minutes left in the half, Longwell hit another field goal. This is a chip shot, 22 yards. Uh, Vikings led 6-3, but with 17 seconds left in the half, D'Angelo Williams for the Panthers carried a ball in from three yards out on a run, and it was 10-6 at the half Panther. Casey then hit a 26-yard field goal for the only scoring in the third quarter, and now the Panthers took a 13-6 lead into the fourth quarter. With 7.48 left in the game, Carolina tried a lateral on a punt, and it was terrible. It blew up on them. The Vikings recovered it. Shortly after that, the Vikings set up for a field goal and ran a trick play where the holder pitched back to Longwell. Longwell threw a 16-yard touchdown pass to Richard Owens, backup tight end on the Viking roster. That was his only touchdown catch in the NFL. Uh, The extra point was good. And the Vikings had tied the game at 13. Now we go into overtime. The Vikings then drive down to the Carolina two. Longwell hits a 19-yard field goal. The Vikings win 16-13. The quarterback for the Panthers that day was Jake DeLome, 17 of 33, 181 yards. Williams was their leading rusher for 74 yards on 13 carries in that touchdown. The top receiver for the Panthers that day, Keyshawn Johnson, who many may not remember, played with the Panthers, 106 yards on five catches. On the Viking side of the ball, uh, Brad Johnson was 19-31, 243. He threw an interception. Not a great day for Brad. Chester Taylor was our top runner, 113 yards on 24 carries. The Vikings' top receiver in this game, and you will not probably not hear this name ever again on Valhalla back, Troy Williamson, uh, who was <laughs> one of the Vikings' big bust draft picks. He did have 102 yards and six catches in this game. On defense, Napoleon Harris was the Vikings' top man. He had 10 tackles and a sack. Now, the big weird thing in this game, and if you were paying attention, you'll remember this, or this will uh, stick with you. Of the 16 points the Vikings scored, Ryan Longwell was involved in every point the Vikings scored that day. That is this week's Valhalla back. Awesome. I, I watched the – I found a video of the highlights from that one. And if you yeah. look them up, because it's kind of grainy, the video, but to watch the Panthers try it, it was almost, it, I don't think it was, a, it didn't look like a design trick play on that punt return, but it was awful. And they, they tried to throw it all the way across the field and it blew up on them. And then to watch Longwell throw a pass for the touchdown, that had to break hearts in Carolina. Uh, it was, yeah. It wasn't a great game, but it was kind of fun the way it played out. And someone managed to make Troy Williamson actually useful. Yeah, figure that one out. (laughs) Not the game I thought you were going to go with, but hey, interesting. 
ah, well, what one did you think I was going to go with? I, well, well, I want to hear this before we move on. Something a little more recent. Uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was. Had to have been, it was at the college stadium. So either 14 or 15 with the uh, Adam Thielen blocked punt return for a touchdown. And then Everson had a block punt in the same game. You know what, Sarah? I actually talked about that one last year, I think. Ah, okay. On, on, on our other show, on the other show. I did I did use that game. I have used it in the past. Uh, if I hadn't used it, I would have used it again because we talk about that one a lot, uh, just the two of us. So, yeah, I could see where you thought I might go with that one, and I did. I went with it once before. I was trying to look for something different this time. And that's why I went with this game. Hey, it's time for host question. I'll ask first. I'm not going to give you the app because I'm tired and I want to hear your answer. Okay. <laughs> um, so my question this week, aside from Christmas, what is your favorite holiday? Oh, boy. Um, I'd probably have to say 4th of July because I'm a summer baby. Excuse me. And I used to go to the town I grew up in. I had a big uh, music festival every summer on the 4th of July. And like the carnival was in town. So it was just a giant like area of activity and um, all all kinds of things. Um, And if you see my profile picture on Twitter, that's one of my old like dance recital costumes but it's very appropriate for 4th of July. I like, I think I wore that, that costume to death when I was younger. Cause I used to wear it every 4th of July for the party and, and all of that and go to the carnival and, uh, you know, ride on all the rides and then go and listen to live music and have food. And yeah. So I think, and then watch the fireworks, of course. So I think 4th of July is probably besides Christmas, my favorite holiday. That's a great holiday. And I, I had to say besides Christmas, because most times people who celebrate it will say Christmas. So I, I like to go with your second favorite holiday. I love Fourth uh, of July is a great holiday. I love it. I love the summer myself. So that that's a great choice. I would have taken Thanksgiving. We just have a big family and I only see them now that I've moved around holidays. And Thanksgiving is a big one where I make it a point to travel to see them. So we love the food, we love the football, and we just love to kind of hang out and talk together. So that one is kind of my second favorite next to Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. Great choice as well. Okay. (laughs) Your turn. (laughs) My question. What would you say your ideal fan experience would be? Um, And if I need to clarify, like, you know, some sort of thing besides just like literally meeting a player or whatever, if you had a chance to get some kind of fabulous experience as a fan, what would your fan experience ideal be? Barbecue with the players, a barbecue with the team where we play cornhole or volleyball, or maybe we have a, like a a scramble golf tournament, but a barbecue with the players. And I don't even care if I don't get one autograph I just want to talk to these guys for the day. That's the thing I love most. I, when I get autographs, it's usually because it's, I want to remember the experience. Uh, if I didn't yep. get one, I wouldn't care, 
but I just, I just like to talk to these guys and I think a barbecue would be a great place to do it. So for me, it would have to be barbecue with the Vikings. If I could do that, I would be a happy guy. Yeah. How about you? A little bit along those lines. I would love to actually sit down somewhere and watch. And there's some debate of whether you call it tape or film, but I would love to watch film with the players and just like hear how they think about it and how they break things down, what they see, um, you know, different than what we see just watching a game and just kind of the things that they look for as opposed to, oh, who has the ball? Where is the ball? Like, what else are they watching? So you get yours is like a business like experience, man. I feel bad. I just want to hang out and <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> You well, I think it'd be an amazing time, like sitting down and just hearing their thoughts, like their thought process. Yeah. See, I think we're both along that. We, we are. This, I just want to talk to them about stuff. Like, I love that. To me, that's the best part to hear their experiences and what they think and, and what they see when they're out there. Cause I never played. You know, I, my parents, my father didn't want me to play. I was too small. I wanted to play. He said, no, you're too small. It's not going to be worth it for you. So I never played but I love the game and I would love to hear their perspective. I like your uh, having a uh, uh, sit down and watching film. Would you want to watch them in a game they won or that they lost though? Either one. You can learn from both. Um, <clears throat> they, they do say even in post-game press conferences that it's easier to learn after a win um, just because everyone's in a better mood, I'm thinking. Yeah. And so it's easier to actually like take the criticism and learn from their mistakes and whatnot without beating themselves up too badly. Um, so I think that would be, you know, an awesome experience, like, get a, you know, a victory Monday and sit down with them, you know, either at the training facility or whatever, and just like, listen to them, just go off about what happened during the game. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I actually just heard that, that uh, I think yesterday morning, on uh, the NFL radio, Sirius radio. And they, they did say that it's easier to learn after a win, even if it's a bad win, it's easier to learn after a win. And it was talking about the Vikings game. So that was really interesting. Um, we're up to predictions and then we'll close it out. And with our new thing that we're going to be doing, we'll bring that up. But uh, what's your prediction for Sunday, Sarah? Okay. Well, we'll see if I hit anywhere close because I had the Lions score last week. I was a little off on the Vikings score, but um, I think this week Vikings pull it out again, maybe a little closer than we would like, but uh, I'm looking at like 24-20 Vikings. And, um, you know, I think we maybe buck some trends this week. Um, If you, my score, obviously it's, basically three touchdowns and a field goal. I think all three are passing touchdowns and I think we get two of them in the second half because we haven't really been a second half scoring team. I think we bucked that trend. And I think the field goal kick is not, you know, obviously a game winner or anything like that. It's something like earlier in the game, maybe like the end of the first half where we're just trying to like kill a clock. And I'm looking for him to go big. Um, you know, his, his long is 55 now. Let's go for a 56-yarder. Outdoors with the wind at his back. <laughs> and that is true. It is an outdoor game. So, but, you know, go big or go home. But, yeah, I think it's going to be 
a little bit of a closer game than we would like, unfortunately. But yeah, 24-20 Vikings. Okay. I took a, a less conventional score, but I did take the Vikings to win. And this is three weeks in a row. I took them to win, by the way. Oh, wow. I don't think that's ever happened in my entire career of predicting Viking games. Um, I'm going 27-22. With all the kicker issues in the NFL lately, I'm figuring the Panthers are going to be chasing points. They're going to miss an extra point early, and then we're looking at some two-point conversion attempts. So that's how I get to the 22. 27 points. Uh, we have one rushing touchdown on the year, and I think it's time that they break that. So I, I would, I'm thinking we see another rushing touchdown, but I also kind of agree that most of our points will be per passing game. So two touchdown passes for Kirk, one rushing touchdown and a couple of uh, Joseph field goals and the Vikings hold on and win this one, 27, 22. That is my pick. Now last week, Sarah, you came up with a great idea and I like it and we're going to run with it. We will post this tomorrow morning. We are going to go with the school poll. Every week we will have a poll. We'll post it the day after the we record. And then we'll do the results of the school poll during the show. Uh, we did not have one last week uh, with the result. Well, we did. Didn't we, do, we did the hairy one last week, but we didn't come up with a new one. So this is our first new one. And our poll this week will be, and think about this, folks what has been the biggest pleasant surprise for the first five games for the vikings and our choices are going to be kirk our kicking game alexander madison or kj osborne those will be the choices for the week uh we want you to chime in we want to hear from you even uh comment on the poll but we will get that out there tomorrow morning sarah i have nothing left to, to give tonight what do you have to close out the show <laughs> um just again hopefully it's a good game um we don't spend too much time griping over silly ridiculous stuff and perhaps our corners can leave their phones either turned off or in their lockers so they're not tempted to tweet things at the end of games amen to that amen to that uh as I, we, we harp on this every week, just go out and do your job. If you do your job, no one's going to boo you. No one's going <laughs> to criticize you. It's that simple. Go out and do your job. We know you're out there doing your best, but at some point your best might not be good enough. So get out there and do your job. Uh, I am happy. Thanks to be Everson Griffin. Yes. <laughs> I am happy to be home. Uh, I was happy to get to Philadelphia and visit my kids this weekend. Uh, it's nice to be home. I do miss them, but uh, to, just to get back to my regular routine will be nice. Last thing, though, my I was worried about the field goal attempt at the end of the game, and I had it on my phone when we were, my daughter was taking us back from where we were, and she said, Dad, don't worry about it. He's going to make this. <laughs> and I was like, come on, and he buried it. Matter of fact, you were messaging me at that time, and I got the OMG from you. It's like, holy crap, he made it. <laughs> Yeah, I oh. did not watch. I ha I have this the the conditioning about field goal kicks. I'm kind of like Zimmer. I can't watch. <laughs> well, I so. probably wouldn't have watched had I not known what was going to happen. Uh, right. She said, "Dad, just have a little faith in him. He's going to make this." And I'm thinking it's 54 yards, though, and he was short on a 49 yarder. 
uh, but he drilled it. So uh, thanks to my daughter and thanks again to D who supports our podcast. She's starting to listen to the older ones. She's getting caught up now and uh, it's just nice to have some support. We look forward to doing thanks, this. Thanks, D. Yeah, thanks, D. We look forward to doing this again next week. Sarah, you have a great week. I will see you out on the Twitterverse. What is your Twitter handle before we leave? At Navy 092120110. And mine is at Johnny J O H N N Y B Skol S K O L. Uh, folks, thanks again for all the support we get from you. We really love doing this and we hope you love listening. Have a great week.